Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Makers. This is Adit Kapadia, and together with me is author, historian, uh, columnist, uh, author of various books, and most recently the host of the Morialog series on YouTube, Sumedha Varma Oja. Hi, Sumedha. Namaste. Namaste to you to and everyone who is doing this. Thank you for calling the podcast. This is um, this is only this is only what two years in the making <laughs> when we first started talking about the podcast. Yes, very quick, very quick turnover time. Okay. I I know I know I I uh, guilty as charged, but the 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 the, the what was planned in two thousand eighteen must come to fruition in two thousand twenty. I guess is the. See, two thousand twenty. Why do we say it's the year of impossibilities, right? It's the year of possibilities. This happened, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, we, we, so we we are joining at this weird sort of time, uh, chai time for both me and Sumedha ji. She, of course, uh, she is she is joining in the afternoon and in the morning. She's joining from an undisclosed location in Europe. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That makes me sound so shady, Adit. I was trying to no, I was trying to build up the intrigue, but you know, you've joined in with a uh, Indian sari and your connection of Indian books, and I look like a complete sort of misfit. So I, as as goes as goes the um, uh, theme of the podcast, I will just play happy. I'll happily play the second fiddle with Sumedhaji, but. Um, but i'll tell you this um guys this is going to be a very interesting discussion where because we're talk, going to talk about indian history we're talking talking going to talk about saving history from historians and historiographers and why i say that is will what we'll come to um we'll talk a little bit about the mauryans because uh, sumedhaji is doing this fantastic series web series on um, uh, on the mauryans and uh, it's, it's it's you know uh, we'll also talk about contemporary history and um, in the weeks to come and in the months to come uh, this is probably going to be a five or a six part series i we haven't decided how many parts but basically both of us subhadaji and i will come uh, we'll talk and we'll talk about uh, you know basically indian history so and it's going to be like a series of you know, whatever the viewers want to hear about we can get absolutely some uh, inputs from the people who are listening to us and we can talk about the things that concern them absolutely and and i i would like to say not just viewers even listeners because uh, a lot of our a lot of our listenership is on soundcloud <laughs> so, <laughs> also, sorry so people who are on soundcloud and i know there is a lot of you guys who listen to us on soundcloud uh, do uh, uh, if you want to see the podcast uh, which is sort of an irony because podcast is audio but we are also doing video podcast please check out our youtube page uh, my makers on youtube that's where this will be this is uploaded so without further ado and without you know boring you guys further um, let's let me introduce you to the more interesting person on this panel uh, hi hi sumedha let's let's start with the history of the mauryans right this this was a very interesting week and the reason we were discuss as we were discussing offline um, the last week for the jains was uh, a week of pollution and samvatsari which is a very holy um, thing for jains and i've tweeted about it and stuff and the reason i bring it up was because chandragupta maurya died as a, a jain and with one of the old, oldest if and by many many scholars say the last uh, guru of the undivided jain samaj after whom the shvetambaras and digambaras and bhadrabhau swami a king from patna pataliputra right the heart of the mauryan empire dies with the jain guru bhadrabhau swami in shravan velagol 
right now which in karnataka which is a huge site uh, you know where the every 12 years um, the 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 huge mahamastak abhishek takes place of bahubali uh, swami explain to us leaders right, you know why this is significant why the maurya empire is such a significant uh, uh, sort of chapter in the history of hinduism jainism and buddhism and thereby the history of india that's a wonderful excellent question adit and i have been engaging with indian history for a very long time so i could have chosen any period you know the whole thing was open before me hmm. i could have chosen the saraswati sindhu civilization or i could have chosen uh, the satvahanas or the guptas why the moderns and why do i concentrate so much on them that i'm making an in depth series which will tell you everything about them hmm. the reason is that the moderns were the first empire the first historical empire which unified politically the subcontinent so chandragupta maurya and chandakya his guru were the two people who politically unified this subcontinent now we cannot say that our history does not go before the moderns of course it does of course there is a huge history of thousands of years but what is special about the moderns is that they are the first ancient reflection of what we are today so the moderns and us moderns are in a sense parallel in so many significant ways that it becomes imperative to study them now we could of course uh, you know study uh, kurukshetra for example or we could uh, look at bharat but would we find the kind of parallels that we find with modern india probably possibly most probably not so that is why i feel that the moderns are important and uh, look at modern india it has certain symbols the lion capital the peacock the ashok chakra where have all these come from and why have all those come from the moderns that is the important thing to note and you know we are not the only ones who want to associate ourselves with the moderns it's also the guptas wanted to associate themselves with the moderns so what did they call themselves two of them chandragupta what vikramaditya so chandragupta 1 and chandragupta 2 mm. even a medieval muslim ruler hirusha tughlaq he also plucked up two of ashokan pillars and brought them to his own capital and started writing on them why because he wanted to partake of that imperialism of the moderns and they are they live in our collective memory as a symbol of of uh, political unification of uh, royalty of power of governance in this subcontinent mm. now this is as far as politics goes of course it's very important that chanakya the guru of chandragupta wrote the arthashastra which is the compendium for politics for economics for society and for almost everything that you think of you, you it's know, like an encyclopedia you know the fantastic part about that is that the arthashastra sevi zada popular has become the term chanakyan or chanakyaniti or chanakya so more than just his work he himself his personality is viewed as sort of a metaphor for great political strategy yes adit but you know as an academic or a historian i have a bit of a cavil over here because sometimes i feel that chanakya the personality overshadows arthashastra the book But and arthashastra the book is well worth reading and my episode 3 of morello <laughs> i have in fact done it on chanakya and arthashastra and i have concentrated more on the book the book will astonish you because the book is it's that uh, expression of his intellect 
which gave Chanakya the role position and you know the whole uh, kind of uh, huge respect that he uh, that he garners from all of us. But I didn't answer that question of yours about Jainism, Buddhism, and Hinduism. Yes. So you see the Mauryan emperors yes. and you know even the emperors before them, even if you take the Nandas, yes. were a very eclectic group hmm. in terms of the kind of beliefs they followed. Correct. Also, this hard division between this is Hindu, this is Jain, this is uh, Buddhism, it did not operate then and I am not sure whether it operates now. You would be in a better position to tell me. I have never felt that there is a hard division between these Indic religions and it was definitely not there during a, the time of the audience. It, it is truly each of them is a way of life. You know, um, we, we, it's, you don't convert to go into XYZ or ABC, right? It's what you choose to follow. It's the principles. There have been families who have, I mean, the Gupta family themselves. Uh, uh, Chandragupta Maurya was a Jain. Uh, uh, Bimbisara, his son, was an Ajivika all his life. And Ashoka, his grandson, embraced Buddhism in the last of the. I mean, this is family. Hai. So it, it, it was possible. And in spite of the fact that they believed and embraced these beliefs, it yeah. did not mean that they in any way ignored, denigrated, or in so any way against the other. No. And, and this did not impact the, in their governance, right? This, this, there is a very important thing. Their religion was post their governance phase or during their governance phase in their, you know, sort of their uh, rituals or kriya they did or something. But that wasn't the I most... I would like to emphasize that the roots of all these are the same. And the roots come from this land. Hmm. The ideas of these three big ways of looking at life and of leading your life, they do not clash with each other. Yeah. They are kind of, you know, they are branches of the same tree yes. and as branches of the same tree the same kind of ideas are found hmm. in all these uh, three different ways of uh, living life now you look at the inscriptions of Ashok hmm. so it is very widely said by our esteemed historians our eminent historians that uh, it was because Ashok became a Buddhist that he had all those wonderful principles of governance, welfare state, care of people, care of animals, care of vegetation. That is why he had those inscribed over there. But these are all part of Indic philosophy. Yeah. Which of the Indic religions does not believe in this? And I, am, I have a very uh, interesting idea for an article. I'm going to take all the inscriptions of Ashok and point to all the shlokas of the Arthashastra where exactly the same things are written. So that is no doubt in anybody's mind. No, and because when he was sort of, quote unquote, to use their terminology, when he was sort of a tyrant, right? Uh, in his uh, earlier sort of avatar or the alleged Kalinga thing or something. I, I say alleged is because a lot of historians debate of whether it happened in Kalinga or whether it happened somewhere else. Uh, and, and that's why it's very important to read the books, right? And not watch movies with, with Shah Rukh Khan <laughs> as historical. Or the television serials, are they? The number of people who write to me, no, you're wrong. The television serial said this, 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 and you are not saying that in your uh, web series. Yeah. I just don't know where to begin to tell them that television serials are not, uh, you know, in any way authenticated by anyone. No, and, 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 and the show might be fantastic just by itself. Like, I truly enjoy watching Chanakya as pure entertainment value and for a historical context. But you cannot take that as the, the sort of... Uh, Except, you know, for uh, one honorable exception, Adit, 
Chandra Prakash Divedi is Chanakya. Is perhaps the most wonderfully researched. That is exactly what I was coming to. Chandra Prakash Divedi is Chanakya. I was like, please uh, tell me that Chanakya is researched well because I think it's researched pretty well. It's amazingly researched, detailed. It even has quotes from the uh, sources close to Alexander. You know, from right. the lost Macedonians Indica. There are certain other people like Strabo, etc., who have quoted from him. So there are quotes and, from and, those. And and, and 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 has one of the best opening tracks by one of my favorite Gujarati composers, Ashit Desai. I, I, I we 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 are familiar with his work in Gujarati. He was uh, assisting Pandit Ravi Shankar in the Asian Games and stuff. But if you just see the Yastoma Sadagam, it's absolutely rousing. Fabulous, and even today it's fabulous. No matter how many times you hear it, yeah, I mean, so, uh, that very wonderful exception. Right, the kind of series that come after. Sorry, there have been some new series last year or year before last. I get a lot of references from that from viewers that okay. the TV series said this, that, and the other. I'm afraid I don't watch such. See, unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I. I have almost stopped watching serials on TV channels. I watch a lot of streaming shows because the streaming shows give them gives them the liberty. Like there was a, a streaming show called Bandish Bandits on Amazon uh, Prime, which was and oh, I, I have yet is it? I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I have a lot of questions with you know what they show and stuff, but not bad questions. But one thing I have to say: if there was a show to be made on Indian classical music. i could not have chosen it for it to be made another way because the singing and the music is outstanding oh, and they yeah, i look forward to it now so they have javed ali pandit adit chakraborty and shankar mahadevan being the three voices of classical music who are classically trained and they are outstanding and there are there is modern music also and they have sort of used it in such a beautiful way and i if you even have problems with the you know content or something i i don't think there are a lot of problems with the content it's 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 very watchable but the music is so outstanding outstanding so good i am ordering on my podcast now my point is this would have never been made on indian tv channels because they would have tried to show some sort of a cliffhanger and stuff here the riyas the the amount of time they spent on riyas is so much because that's what the 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 but you know what adit i'm uh, i should not be harking back to the past but there is a uh, short series by padma subramanian hmm. on bharatanatyam hmm. i think that is also unparalleled it is available on youtube and anybody who is interested in the natya shastra hmm. in uh, classical dance of all forms across india should watch that 14 15 part series it is outstanding padma it's made in a very academic and you know not very viewer friendly way and it's very old hmm. but it's very good So anybody interested in classical music and so, हम लोग usually end of the podcast में तो recommendations कर रहे हैं प्रसुमेदा and I are already giving you podcast recommendations आ बीच में so it's good we are off to a good start विपने um, uh, because all good um, historians authors readers right so I always say this and you can see the amount of books that uh, that occupy सुमेदा's wall unfortunately I can't show you my wall but I, I have the same way. uh because i love to read right and i was just talking to my wife that i probably need to get another shelf and put it up because now my books have gone from horizontal to vertical kaha ja ja jagah aa rahi hai woh apne book dal raha hai so i am tolerant of books and she loves books herself 
because otherwise you know it becomes an issue where to keep books in the house ha bhai so no i we have come to we, no we have come to a very uh, a very nice conclusion to guest bedroom so at least uh, wherever our guests come they, they have space to stay right but they'll also be occupied by scholarly work and my wife doesn't have to see them every day <laughs> That's a good idea. Huh. So, uh, 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 I, uh, mine is a basement library, so I have a lot of space, and there's a lot of space. No, but that's my ultimate goal. That eventually, when we move to another house or something, get get my own sort of uh, secret library or something where I can just retire. To. My wife is very scared of that. She's like, "You'll stay there and never come out." <laughs> never emerge. Because I I can read apps most books. Uh, even like you would, I can read. I I love history, but then I'll also take a lot of time in reading Harry Potter. I absolutely love it. So, but अभी actually मैं जो पढ़ रहा हूँ, it's a very interesting book uh, right now. So I am revisiting sort of a few books on Indian history, contemporary Indian history. So I did a podcast uh, that people uh, people might have heard with uh, by Bob Purandar, where we were discussing the biography of Veer Savarkar, right? So I'm reading about uh, uh, contemporary history, and that sort of brings me to the point about contemporary historians. That right now we are seeing a lot of um, discussions, revisiting of historical figures by many people who are not historian. And and let's let's face it, not everyone who writes a book needs to be a historian, right? It could be just an observation. of a particular personality and what they take of it but all in india for various years it had been like there were a few historians from a very cozy cabal who controlled the narrative and only they wanted to say what what happened in the gupta empire in the mauryan empire and also what happened with nehru and i don't understand you know how can one person be an authority on all of it yeah so save history from the historians as you said in the beginning right. you know um, adit we suffered from the colonial yoke so we started off with colonial imperialist kind of history mm-hmm. we had some nationalist historians the marxists came up and said <coughs> we are the ones who oppose imperialism so then they opposed imperialism then a little group from them broke off they called themselves the subalterns Mm. they oppose the marxists the feminists also oppose the marxists and you see that india is a nice little uh, what can i say bowl of soup in which they have been making their own concoctions <laughs> you know after 1947 we all know that indian history was handed over to some people to become the absolute bap dada of it they decided what went where and what didn't go where now that would not have been a problem if these people had stuck to proper historiography evidence based history then it's okay the same people do it right. but they look at evidence they look at history unfortunately they put ideology instead of evidence right. and that is my grouse with them so, because if we want to research we have to base ourselves on evidence and for my part i cannot emphasize this enough absolutely. we have some pieces of evidence some sources of evidence you know for example archaeology texts numismatics inscriptions etc we must base ourselves on evidence so it's interesting so sumedha actually talks about nehruvian historians you know unfortunately we don't mince words on my podcast <laughs> so but the reason i'm talking about it is um i have uh, some sort of agreements with indira gandhi on her foreign policy certainly not on an emergency but one thing where i have a huge grouse with the indira gandhi administration is the history books and the patronage given to the communist historians and even if you are a fan of indira 
which I am not in all proportions. I have a lot of disagreements and some agreements with her. But I do admire her in a corner of my mind somewhere. No, I so do. that everyone does because what what happened in 1971? You uh, uh, unlike the, unlike yeah unlike the Congress, we never say that Kargil war was their war in 1971. Yeah. What she told to Henry Kissinger, what what she did with Raw, with Ramnath Kao, um, everything is there. I, I my I have talked about that for two hundred and fifty episodes, guys. So if you want to troll me for this, go ahead, troll me. But at least listen to my past work <laughs> or read it. But and I suppose we don't have to contextualize that we support her on that to oppose her on history because if you see Romila Thapar, Bipin Chandra's, all of them were patronized from the late sixties. To the late 80s, and of course, it, it it went on. But this was the crucial time, you know, when they were sort of a lot younger than how what they were. They were writing more books, and this was the time when Indira um, Gandhi was the prime minister after 1966, except for two years when Murarji Desai. And I mean, you really cannot even tell the Janata government to do history because they were too busy saving their own government from falling, <laughs> you know, from 1977 to. Yeah, yeah, so it's like telling HK, HK, HD Devagoda and IK Gujral, what did you do about Indian history? They're like, hey, I'm not going to contemporary me, Guse, where the history may come. Oh, oh, so that is so the way wholesale handed over to them, and you know, could say anything at all. So, Adit, even in the 2000s, I started thinking about this book in the mid 2000s. No, no, but, but, but uh, Sumaya, before you get into that, I have to ask you one question. You know, because it was handed over to the communists, do you think that the idea, the um, interpretation of even people like Mao or China or contemporary Chinese sort of communist philosophy was very sort of very nicely done because this was done to card carrying communists? Of course, not just China. Look at Russia. Where I grew up in the 90s and the kind of Russian propaganda, books, etc. that we were exposed to in uh, some of these industrial townships, you know, the ones which were done with the help of uh, uh, Russia, all those townships which came up with the help of Russia. Then I was in DU and you used to have vans selling all these Marxist and leftist books. And you can could get you could get them for 50 paisa or 1 rupee or whatever. Or something about Lenin, right? Lenin was... Hmm? Lenin was shown as this sort of great revolutionary. It's only after yeah, I read about what Lenin did, and I'm like, oh. My. I must I must say this over here, Adit. I have studied in Delhi University, and there were people who used to swear by Lenin and Marx, having read not one word of it. So I used to buy those books and read them. And when I would ask them a question on it, they were obviously like they had no answer. Huh. So this was just in the end, it just became a self-fulfilling kind of bubble. If Marx listens to them, even he will not be a Marxist anymore. Yeah, yeah, he will not understand or recognize what they say. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Marxists have unfortunately done a huge disservice to social sciences in general, not just history, but to social sciences in general. In the area of sociology and anthropology, we have that big elephant in the room called caste. Mm. The study of caste through leftist Marxist lens, through colonial lens, has done an incredible disservice to us. Mm. And it is only now that I see some people trying to push away a lot of misconceptions and trying to understand it the Indic way, the mm. Shastrik way. We must, we must, Adit, bring up back our own uh, epistemological methods and terminology again. 
we must locally and that's epistemological methods and terminology is the key because uh, terminology is is what it is right if we still call uh, uh, our murtis as idols and i i am guilty i am guilty <laughs> I, I'm guilty of doing that myself in my previous sort of, you know, till till I was not told that by what the hell are you doing, right? Yes, yes, yes. So even something like very simple, like um, in 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 Jainism, right? The 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 god, sort of the people you pray to, are called tithankars. We don't call mm-hmm. them even gods. We there is no even. We when you go to temples now, people will say Bhagwan, but you don't even actually say Bhagwan. You actually used to say tithankar because it was not some. It was a perfect soul that you were praying to. They were not some sort of this miraculous, um, you know, give came and I'll give you boons or something. So, Adit, this translation of words from our own indigenous languages to English has been a disaster. And in the end, we then learn to understand in the English way. No, and you forget the other I don't understand. If yoga can be an English word now, why can't murti be an English word? Yeah. But you know, when I write, I use a lot of Sanskrit words and I do not apologize about it. Let me assure you that when I write my fiction books, Mm. then we do 13, 14, 20 rounds of editing because of this. Mm. But I still do not apologize. I will not use translations. I will use Sanskrit words where uh, it is not possible to put some... If I say skirt instead of antariya, if I say shawl instead of uttariya, does that mean anything? No, it doesn't. Or or using a different word for Angavastram. What are you going to use? What are you, exactly? How do you translate Angavastram? I wish somebody would tell me. It's all no. ridiculous. Because I, 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 I so uh, there is a Gujarati word we use when, so we wear that for when we go to the puja for Jains and it is Ang something only, but it's like the Vastram is a see, Gujarati, Hindi, they're all derived from Sanskrit. So it is easier to find words in that. But um, I really don't know how to translate that into English. Like a lot. Shoulder shawl. Shoulder shawl. No, yeah, but but someone like someone actually used the same translation for lungi, which is like a loin cloth, and I'm like, no, Angastram is not a oh loin cloth. God, oh my God, no, this is actually cringeworthy. I'm telling you, people, people, people have used such translations. No, no, we we are. I am sure we are making the point very clearly. No translations, please. Of important concepts and terms, no translations, please. No, and and my thing is. When we are on in the Western civilization, I mean, in US in 2012, 16, I forget the year, but basically there was a year where uh, Barack Obama went to Alaska and the highest peak was named after an American, uh, basically a white person. And that was changed to its Native American name called Mount Denali. And the mm-hmm. park was called Denali National Park. It's been four years and I can tell you I've been here for about 13 years and I, I forget the name what it was called before Denali. Now everyone calls it Denali, right? So this is the, so when people tell me this nonsense that why rename things, you know, why rename things from what they were 50 years ago? Because it is, there is a conscious, there was a conscious attempt to rename the identity of that thing. And when you... Raise all older identities and to substitute the invaders and the colonials' identity with all that. And to it's worked to a very large extent, especially with the literate class. With the illiterate class, it hasn't worked that well, thankfully. They still call 
Yeah. And, and, and let's not, I mean, I will not pretend certainly that I'm, um, I'm, um, uh, you know, uh, very innocent in this. I Mumbai to Bombay because Bombay was renamed in 1995. And that is literally what I grew up listening to, you know, Bombay, Bombay. And you know, when I go to Mumbai, I was there for a week this year. I mean, one of my favorite places to go. Everyone I talked to, I've known them for 25, 30 years. They all say Bombay. So it's, you know, Abhibi sandwich ko Bombay sandwich log bolte. No one calls it Mumbai sandwich, right? So, so it's, there are certain things which will take time to change or something. But I do realize where the sentiment comes from. So I will not deride what someone stands for. But it's very easy now. Almost no one I know calls uh, Chennai as Madras. Everyone calls it Chennai. Right? And uh, Adit, the danger with this is that often, you know, we have a lot of Mughal names for a lot of places. So then what people think is that there was no history before the Mughals. The number <laughs> of people who I've met who think that history in India started with the I Mughals, mean, not just outside India, but also inside India, oh, is legion. I was in an Independence Day event in Houston about uh, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, I forget. And uh, I, I was doing something else, but I heard some, they started a history of India and they actually started with Akbar. And I literally wanted to go and punch a wall. And I'm like, yes. I was like, so when you talk about Patna and Pataliputra, Patna's original name, there is still a place Pataliputra. For all our election nerds, there is a constituency called Pataliputra, where Lalu Prasad There's Adams, a colony called Pataliputra. I belong to that colony. I've lived in that colony and grown no, up in that, that. Pataliputra colony. Patali, exactly. On the back of the Ganges. Exactly. And there is a constituency where Misa Bharti used to stand against Ram Kripal Yadav. Uh, Ram Kripal Yadav uh, won the election from BJP last time. But I'm, I'm telling you, so these names of these places do exist. So Patali Putra existed before even Akbar's grandfather did. Right? Patali Putra existed at the time of Gautam Buddha. No, that's what I'm saying. No, even before. So I'm saying that how can you start about a history of India and start with that? You, I mean, I is not some kind of mistake. This is done with intention. It is done with the intention of wiping out past history. So this is not an innocent mistake. But, but that's what I'm telling you. So it is done with an intention by the historians. But then when you have contemporary Indians, and I would say Indian Americans here, who have not grown up listening to this, reading about this, and when they look up on Wikipedia and stuff, and guys don't scoff, Ki, achha, ye karte, because you and I might not do that, but 99% of the world, that's where they get their... Get their and Wikipedia is a you know, hotbed of misinformation about Indian history. Whenever yeah. I open it, I have tears roll down my eyes. But I'm saying that... I'm yeah, but we'll have to reach out to these people who we cannot just deride them call. We'll have to reach out to them and say that boss, this is what you should read. This is what you Make should information available, accessible, interesting, so that they can actually access correct information in an enjoyable way. Exactly. So then they learn to learn it. Right. And right. that is the key, you know, how sort of they do that and how they come up with, you know, this sort of perspective. Uh, but let, let's, let's get, let's talk a little bit back about the Maurya Empire. What facets of Chandragupta Maurya Chanakya drew you to these series? Like, what can you tell our viewers, listeners, for, uh, apart from what they don't know already? Okay. So, you know, uh, we know that uh, Chandragupta Maurya established this empire. We even know how he did it with the help of Chanakya. We know all these things, but do we know about the real ducks and bolts working? Mm -hmm. What was the administration really like? 
what kind of food did they eat what kind of houses did they live in what kind of uh, gods goddesses did they pray to what festivals did they have what was their uh, theory of medicine what kind of science existed during that time so these are the kind of facets i want to concentrate on and, and there is indeed evidence that one can look at and talk about all these different aspects of the mauryans why are they so interesting because at least 2300 years ago they were a behemoth empire and they managed to run that behemoth empire through administration they managed to run that whole thing they, they had enough money so you know often it is said that the army was huge the trade that they fostered was huge and the agricultural innovation that they did was superb oh. so it was on trade army agriculture surplus that this whole empire grew up so also the economic in innovations currency innovations tax innovations and importantly and not a, a small thing international relations this is my favorite part about the mauryan empire the kind of international relations they had with the kingdoms around them and the kind of theory that uh, chanakya posits and the way it was practiced by the kingdom itself so all these things are fascinating and you will see glimpses of modern india in so many of these because let's talk 90% of the indians know about uh, the chanakya or maybe not 90 but 70% of the indians know about the chanakya story that they went to um, you know pre the dhananda times or why how is insulted and you know how chandragupta maurya threw out the greek invaders and then they know that chandragupta maurya along with radhabahu swami uh, 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 died as a jain monk in shravan belgore right between that between the part where he became the emperor and when he died and i think he died at the age of 42 if i'm not mistaken right no i think it was about 50 he 50, ruled sorry, yeah. he ascended the throne at about 25 what evidence says and he ruled for 25 years hmm. and uh, then he went off and then he attained samadhi with uh, badrabahu so he did salekhana which is which is which is which is what was debated again another concept that was debated a lot of a lot in the last few days uh, last few years and my, my know, what made him do this why did he renounce everything and go off no, because I, I, for 12 years huh. for 12 years there was a huge drought in the kingdom of the mauryans huh, and the, he the famine the drought he had been fighting with the drought and i think in the end perhaps he gave up the misery around him was too much he couldn't fight with it any longer so he left it is said that he was influenced by that yeah maybe and, and the, actually so jain scriptures also talk about this great famine that happened and and uh, as a result of which a lot of no, uh, uh, jain monks had to go up north you know even north of nepal and some jain monks had to go down south and that is where sort of the splits even in the jain uh, samaj sort of happened about you know the interpretations books and stuff like that and, and it's fascinating i can tell you a very interesting thing you know the big murti of shravan belgol it's it's bahubali swami right it is actually not a tirthankar it is the second son of the first tirthankar of jairism lord rishabdev so he's yeah but his his story is so unbelievable and according to jain uh, uh, epistemology and jain scriptures and stuff the word bharat actually comes because he was the first uh, son of rishabdev right but that brings me to another question the term bharat is so important to hindu scriptures jain scriptures and what not and it's just unbelievable 
how what that name how much import so when they talk about the idea of india or there being not a concept of bharat or something there are three or four different sets of scriptures religions that actually talk about this so how can you be ignorant about this no no it's not ignorance adit this is uh, i think this is malice this mm. is malice with intent mm, exactly. this is something that is done to you know cut you off at the roots mm, what yeah. was india nothing it was just a few settlements scattered around the railway tracks made about the british haven't you heard this <laughs> there was nothing called india just a few settlements scattered around the railway tracks that the british yes. made so all these have you know bharat is there in each and every tradition of uh, in of the subcontinent Correct. you Absolutely. told me about the tradition of bharat we have a, a sanatan dharma tradition of bharat so it has always been there hmm. although uh, the mauryans themselves also had another name for their kingdom they used to consciously use the name jambudweep it appears in one of the minor inscriptions of uh, ashok hmm. so they themselves used to call uh, this land jambudweep you know the the ideas uh, of so so so, yeah. so do so do jains by the way see the the the, the, the term jambudweep the, the term term jambudweep and bharat it's called bharat kshetra so bharat khand so sanatan bharat khand bharat khand bharat kshetra so that's what we were saying one sort of terminology interpreted differently yes exactly exactly So, so when we go to what I, I must add over here that uh, i have there is a dream that i have about the study of history in india that it starts becoming more and more evidence based and it uses modern technology hmm. so we have to go back many 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 thousands of years hmm. current methods of studying history cannot deal with this because hmm. there is no other living civilization extant like ours which goes back to so many thousands of years ago so you know there are no methods normally they do post mortem of a dead body but <laughs> we are not a dead body we still live so how do you study a living body a dead body you can cut up and you can have lots of methods can you do the same to a living body no so you've actually come to a point because uh, uh, and we've already come to sort of the concluding part of the discussion we are 45 minutes and we usually try to limit this for an hour but actually this is a great point and that's what we want to dissect we are going to dissect this living body called india in the series we do on the history of india so if the first was on the mauryans we're going to move forward talk about some other aspects of the mauryans and then relate it to the contemporary india so guys if you like this i'm sure you did please please write to us if you didn't like it let us know what you didn't like and we'll address even that right but before we sort of conclude about it next time but before we talk about conclude about this uh, like i said we go we do recommendations uh, sumeda so what are your recommendations to our listeners and any other concluding points you want to give to our listeners my and recommendation is definitely uh, the series on uh, bharat uh, bharat's natya shastra which you can find on youtube it was shown by doordarshan a long time ago it is done by uh, donsu's uh, padma subramanyam and it is absolutely beautiful and my you know my last point and my only point all the time is please study history please research please base yourself on evidence and also please do not think that because we have thrown out the communists and leftists from political power and we want to throw them out from academia we will substitute some kind of our own ideology no i am not in favor of that i am only in favor of one thing evidence and research 
and modern methods modern technological methods of dating of imaging of geophysics of genetics use all these trees as much as possible Absolutely. and i did want to say a little bit about the general sweep of history but maybe next time because there are some very no, no no we'll spend a couple of minutes talking about it i okay, would so when we look at the sweep of indian history something really strikes us about the past about the vedic indians we have a lot of textual evidence nothing as far as physical evidence goes about the saraswati sindhu indians we have a lot of physical evidence and nothing textual because we haven't yet deciphered the script so can it be possible that once we decipher the script then the text and the physical remains will come together can it be that we will find that which we are looking for physical uh, evidence of the vedic period is it that we will find in the saraswati sindhu civilization so we are kind of moving towards that and why are we moving towards it because we are using now modern methods of analysis of the data and evidence that is there for the harappan period for the saraswati sindhu civilization whether it be genetics whether it be geophysics whether it be imaging or whether it be dating we are trying to use all these methods and therefore we are able to close one of the biggest mysteries and biggest gaps in indian history fantastic fantastic point um so mera and i i don't think i can conclude with a, a sort of better thing uh, my recommendation also would be to watch more you know uh do uh, you know do watch it do read books do read sumedha's work do read any other history book uh, sanjeev sanyal has written some fa- fantastic books about the land of seven rivers and stuff and, uh, and you know, i cannot recommend normally any history book because i find all of them have too many big issues but i always end up recommending sanjeev sanyal <laughs> because his land of the seven rivers is an excellent way of approaching indian <laughs> history and- outstanding and then certainly watch the series chanakya by chandraprakash vivedi but thank you yeah thank you so much for joining us sumedha this was absolutely fantastic we lo- we hope to do uh, many more of these very soon <laughs> and, and to everyone all of you for listeners thank you adit for calling me here and i look forward to more free wheeling discussions like this acha ha aise to hai now we won't have to wait for 2 years on this <laughs> i hope not <laughs> no absolutely no. namaste to everyone namaste everyone